the third win against the top ten, and the Orange had them all the way. They didn't look into your heart. They didn't look into your heart. They didn't look into my heart. A three for the win battle. Bang! Boom! And the Orange do it again. The cardiac juice comes through on the road one more time. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us. Alongside Seth Goldberg, I'm Stephen Fonte. It's a Tuesday edition of Orange Nation. We're brought to you in part by Dunn Tire. 315-437-7644. Phone lines open the entire way today. No guests lined up at this point, so we want to hear from you. We're going to talk certainly college football as Clemson makes its way into the Carrier Dome on Friday. It is Tuesday, so we'll get into our top five, bottom five in the NFL as week five of the season just wrapped up. Some NFL news, by the way, uh, to pass along at the top of the show. ESPN reporting Adrian Peterson has been traded to the Arizona Cardinals. Cards, of course, looking for a running back. Saints had too many. went down, yes, and Peterson wasn't getting any work there uh, anyway. Uh, So, uh, again, according to the report, a conditional draft pick uh, sent to the Saints in return for Adrian Peterson. But we start today, Seth, uh, with baseball. And the Yankees have made this a five-game series. We're going to get a decisive Game 5 tomorrow night in Cleveland. Yes, it's going to be Corey Kluber on the mound for the Indians. Yanks will go with CeCe Sabathia. And last night, I thought, went about as well as it could go if you're a Yankee fan. Luis Severino bounced back from that awful outing in the wildcard game. He went deep into the game, which, again, allows your bullpen to rest to some degree going into the decisive Game 5. And, and we know that Aroldis Chapman had a pitch you know, the, for the five-out save the night before. Severino goes deep into the game. He bounces back personally. As a team, you're able to rest the bullpen. Uh, not a lot of stress last night in the late innings, and now you head back to Cleveland. The momentum clearly on the side of the New York Yankees, and, and a chance to pull off this upset and move on to the ALCS. Absolutely, and and you know, if you're a Yankee fan like I am, uh, I think that you could not help yourself but think at times last night, oh man, this should have been a clincher. <laughs> you know, oh man, they should be popping champagne right now uh, because they really could have, and and I, you know, maybe should have is strong, but they could very well could have been popping champagne last night and beating the Indians. Uh, but look, the bounce back, the resolve that the Yankees have shown, and and they've been fantastic at home all season long. They're the best team at home in the American League this year. They've got the most wins at home in the American League. They've been that good at Yankee Stadium. So the series shifted back home. Uh, I, I expected them to play better. I thought they would win Sunday. I did not think they were going to win last night. I thought they'd had one game in them. Um, but look, they got the job done, right? It was timely hitting, and I know all the runs were unearned until the Sanchez home run. But you still had to get those hits to drive in the guys who reached on errors, and they did. They did. They got guys on. It may have been you know, from misplayed balls and, and balls that were thrown away, uh, but they ended up getting those guys in, and that's the important part. And the Yankees got the hits and knocked Trevor Bauer out early, uh, which I, I didn't see coming. And uh, you know what? I guess that's what separates the... Uh, good pitchers from the very good and and greats is the ability to come back in a playoff series. And I was thinking about this last night and this morning. But the guys who can come back in five-game series and seven-game series and shut you down twice, those are the greats, right? Think Pedro Martinez. Think Kurt Schilling. Think Randy Johnson, uh, who who pitched twice, three times in a seven-game series. 
uh, and would dominate you each time. It's just incredible to imagine that. And the Yankees clearly got something on Bauer after they faced him just four days ago. Yeah, and and to your point, yes, that second inning started harmlessly enough with a with an error, and you've got one guy on with two outs. But to the Yankees' credit, they had to manufacture that big inning from there. Frazier had the double, Hicks had the single, Judge with a double, and, and all of a sudden, you know, Trevor Bauer was on the ropes, and. Yeah, the Yankees were certainly aided by four errors in the game by Cleveland, but they took advantage of those right. errors. It's very and they were easy able to, to get guys out early. And again, the last start, they couldn't touch Trevor Bauer. Right, and it's very easy to get guys on by error and then just leave them there. Right, like you still have to get hits, and Aaron Judge still has to hit that ball to the warning track, and you know Frazier still has to hit that one into left field uh, t- to get these runs across. So, sure, you could say, "Oh, well, it all came on errors." Yeah, but they still had to hit the ball, and they still they they still had to get hits later in the inning to get those guys in. And I would imagine uh, that that four run cushion certainly helped Luis Severino settle in. We all know what happened the last time he was out there in the in the wild card game. Didn't even make it out of the first inning. You know, he gets through the the first two, so he gets through the top of the order, and then the Yankees put up that big you know four spot in the second. And I would imagine you know that must have settled him down. He goes seven again. The bullpen rested now going into a decisive game five. You got CC back on the mound. I don't think any of us are surprised that Joe Girardi is giving the ball to CC to Sonny Gray. He is, you know, he's he's a big game pitcher. He's pitched in the postseason. Certainly. I think this is going to be his 26th career start, something like that, in the postseason. Uh, he's been there before. He will not be phased by the environment. Uh, it's obviously a place he's pitched in quite a bit as well. And again, I don't think the, the moment is going to be too big for CC Sabathia. Um, and you know, I, I think you've got the guy on the mound that you want if you're the Yankees for a road game. Tanaka's been so good at home, but if you're on the road, you give the ball to CC and, and you see if you can get to Corey Kluber for a second time in this series. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, I was going to save this for Yankees on deck tomorrow, but uh, do you know the winning pitcher the last time in the last clinching game the Yankees won? Well, since I'm talking about CC, is it CC Sabathia? It is CC Sabathia. It was all the way back in 2012 in a game five in the ALDS. Uh, but CC Sabathia has been that guy for the Yankees. If you remember back to 09, uh, they go on the three man rotation, and that thing was led by CC Sabathia. And the Yankees were able to make that. Uh, to make it through the playoffs on a three-man rotation, basically because CC Sabathia took the ball and won every single time he pitched, except for when he went up against Cliff Lee, who was in an otherworldly zone. You know, he's been that guy for the Yankees. He was that guy for two months with the Brewers. He was that guy for the Indians. He has been a big-game pitcher his entire career. He's got to be the one to get the ball. And that's not a slight to Sonny Gray. That's not a knock on Sonny Gray. It's just... He's the man. Like, CeCe Sabathia is, this is what you paid him for. And I know he's not the same guy that you shelled out a big contract for, but this is the game that you brought him here for. Right? It goes back to, to game three when you know people were saying, why didn't Dylan Batances get up? Why did you put Chapman in for the five-out save? And we were discussing it yesterday, and, and it comes down to confidence. Joe Girardi has confidence in a role as Chapman to go in and get a five-out save. His confidence in Dylan Batances at this point has been shaken a little bit. He trusts David Robertson. 
he trusts CC Sabathia As more he than he trusts Sonny Gray. Right. And again, to, you know, to your point, it's not a knock on Sonny Gray. It's a compliment to CC, and he has earned that trust over the course of his career. He's earned that confidence over the course of his career. He's earned that confidence just in the last game that he pitched. Yeah, and so you put him back out there with everything on the line. Well, and, and Steve, it's eight. It's eight years versus eight weeks. Uh, right? I mean, Joe Girardi has managed this guy in CC Sabathia for eight years. Knows him, knows what he's going to do, knows his work ethic, and you know, and, and whatever it may be, knows knows the mindset that he may have. You know, he he's known Sonny Gray for eight, ten weeks. Again, not a knock on Sonny Gray, good pitcher, uh, but you you have a little bit more faith in CC because you know him longer. You said a moment ago that you couldn't help but watch that game last night as a Yankees fan and say, "Oh, they could be popping the champagne right now." moving on to the next round. And that obviously goes back to the mistake that Joe Girardi made in Game 2. And that mistake has has come back to, um, I guess, calling to question his future with the New York Yankees. We all know his contract is up at the, at the end of the year. Uh, he's been the manager with the Yankees for the last 11 seasons, and there is some question as to whether or not he will be back. There's some question as to whether or not the team wants him back, and there's some question whether or not he wants to come back. Uh, so where do you stand, I guess, Seth, on the, the future of Joe Girardi? Take it, I guess, from the team's perspective first and and then from, from Joe's perspective. Do you think he's going to be the manager next year? I think if Joe Girardi wants to be the manager, he will be the manager next year. Uh, I say this because I think that Brian Cashman is loyal to his guys, um, You know, especially somebody who has won a World Series, just made the playoffs uh, again and and has seen this team grow and and build itself into what it is this year. So I would imagine that he is loyal to him. You know, everything you read for uh, about Brian Cashman about this Yankee front office about Yankee ownership says that they very much like Joe Girardi and like ha- him as a manager. Um the thing that I find interesting and this is just me personally, last Monday they were in the playoffs. They made the wild card game. I was like, all right, like I, he's probably back, right? Like he's probably going to be the Yankee manager. Wednesday, they win the wild card game, largely because his managing and and the bullpen use and how good he and how good a job he did in that game. So I was like, oh, okay. Not only is he gonna, you know, not only do I now think he's back, like he is now back. He is safe. And then Friday happens, and like everything just gets spun around to the point where, like, I think it's more of a question of whether he's back than it was last Monday, right? And, and so now I'm like, oh man, maybe he's not. And you know, you you read reports and you read some stuff from the New York reporters or hear somebody like Buster only talk about it and says, and he says, you know, um, I don't know that Joe Girardi wants to be back. Right, like you're you're seeing a lot of that in like the last couple of days of like, oh, it's gonna ma- it's gonna depend on Joe Girardi and talking to his family, and you know Joe might not want to be the Yankee manager anymore, and and like apparently reporters were hearing that all season long, so I think it's a really interesting position where like Joe Girardi can kind of call his shot here, like if he wants to be back, I think he'll be back. If he doesn't want to be back. I don't think he will be. And he was asked about it last night, in part because, let's face it, it could be the final game that he manages at Yankee Stadium. They go back to Cleveland for Game 5 tomorrow. If they lose that, the season's over, his contract's up, and uh, there's a chance that he won't be back. And so he was asked about it uh, by reporters last night. And, and that, that was my takeaway, Seth, from you know reading his comments afterwards. 
I'm not sure he wants to come back. He he didn't immediately say, I mean, he was point blank asked, you know, do you want to be back as manager next year? And his answer was, I need to talk to my family. Right. And then he goes into about how he's got other, you know, dream jobs that he would one day uh, like to have. And, and he thinks that it would be interesting to have some different positions in baseball. You know, yeah, I enjoy managing. Like, couldn't you but, see him just working in the front office I for do. the Yankees? Yes, I, I could. Like or taking or a front else. office role. And... Or with the, I don't know, Marlins maybe? Sure. And and, and so it, it was just, it was interesting to to read his comments that it, he do, he comes across as a guy who... Doesn't sound like his heart is 100% into being the manager of the New York Yankees exactly. next year. And and I think that surprised me a little bit while the season is going on. You know, if you want to say that a week after the season is over or an hour after the season is over, I, I think that that's one thing. And, and he's just being honest, and I appreciate his honesty. If he really hasn't made up his mind, he really does need to talk to his family. That's great. But I did think it it came across last night and, and again, throughout the last several weeks that he might not want to be back. Right. And that's, that, that, that surprises me. That's the thing that I find so interesting about this, because you're like, oh, he's safe from the team perspective. He's safe from the team perspective. Okay, maybe he's not. All right, they've won two, two in a row. He's probably safe from the team perspective. But then you have to also take into account like his contract's up. Like This is very much a Joe Girardi decision as well as a Yankee decision. And everything you're kind of hearing now is like, hey, he doesn't really seem to want to do it. And which, again, surprises me. Look, 10 years is a long time to be a manager of a Major League Baseball team. That's a very, very long time to be the manager of a baseball team. Joe Torre got run out of town after 11 years, and he won four rings. You know, like, that's that's a long time to be at the helm of one team, let alone the New York Yankees. Right, that so, team in particular. Right. You know, think about it. They've had Joe Girardi for 10. They had Joe Torre for 11. How many managers did they have in the previous 11? Before you know, or 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 go back. How many managers in the last twenty years? They've had two managers. How many did they have in the previous twenty? Yeah, you know, like it. it it's amazing it's to point. think, like, wow, the Yankees have had very, you know, a, a very stable and steady hand over the last twenty years, and that's just not what it always. Ha- it, that's not what it had been over the first twenty years of Steinbrenner's ownership. My response to that, though, Seth, would be. These guys are pretty good. I mean, Joe oh, Torre sure. was a fabulous manager, and. I think Joe Girardi has done a really good job, especially this year. You think go back to the beginning of the season and all the questions that we had regarding this team, and you know, other than Tanaka, what what is this starting rotation? What can we expect from this starting rotation? And they had to deal some with some injuries, just like every other team. But there was all this youth in the, in the order as well, the Greg Birds yep. and Arrows and Gary Sanchez, and and, and we didn't know how it was all going to come together. This team goes out, wins 90 games. They're a game away from going to the ALCS. He's brought this this young group together. They they seem to be a little bit ahead of schedule. Brian Cashman obviously you know did a good job putting the pieces in place. But I think Girardi's done a fantastic job this year making it all come together. To be totally honest, I think he's had better years. I really, really? I really do. The team's the last four years, the last five years since that last playoff series win. Had no business being 500. Had no business getting to a playoff in 2014. Like, these teams were devoid of talent. These teams were old. They were breaking down. They had no, they, they, they were playing 
uh, Alfonso Soriano every day in the outfield and Vernon Wells every day in the outfield and Lyle Overbay at first base. You know, like like those teams shouldn't have been good, and they managed to win 85, 86 games and stay in a playoff hunt. I'm not saying he did a bad job this year. I'm just more impressed by that job. But doesn't than this, this speak one. to if you give him the pieces, this is what Absol- it can be? You Absolutely. think you think he's underachieved this year? I wouldn't say underachieved, but I think that there's a lot more talent on this well, year's team Absolutely. than there was. And two they've years won more ago. games, and now they're in position right. to go to the ALCS right. if they pick up a win tonight. So, I think he's done a fantastic job. I think this he's year. done a good job. I think that he had done better jobs in previous years given what given the talent that was on the team that's like i, I think that's that when, interesting when you look at the talent that's on this team and and look no doubt the performance of of gary sanchez and and aaron judge and uh you know starling castro and dd gregorius the growth of all these guys and the pitchers has to go to credit has to go to him and the coaching staff like i'm not taking that away from them um but aaron judge and brett gardner and aaron hicks and dd gregorius are a lot more talented than, you know, old aging Nick Swisher, uh, you know, Vernon Wells, Alfonso Soriano, and old aging Derek Jeter. I you know, like, like you're they, ma- they I just f- are. I feel like you're making my point for me, though, because you, you look back on those teams, and that was a Brian Cashman problem. That was a sure. the, the construction of the team problem. That wasn't a Joe Girardi problem. No, but what I'm and- saying is he, he that team had major flaws, and it was a Cashman issue. And they still won 85, 86, 87 okay. games and made a playoff one year. And now they've infused some youth into the organization. And they're better. And, and, right. And, and he is, a, in my opinion, he is a reason why that they are better. And he is, they are ahead of schedule in part yes. because of Joe Girardi. And so when you look back and you say, wow, he's been you know the Yankees manager for a decade, uh, should he come back? To me, it's kind of a no-brainer from the organization's standpoint that Look at this guy. As you're saying, you go back four or five years, the cupboard was bare, and he kept us relevant. And now we're starting to give him some talent, some young talent. He's brought it all together. Look at where we are now. Where will we be in two or three years from now? To me, you know, I agree, and I know New York's a tough you. place to manage. I get it, and and the fans are hard, um, and and they booed him, you know, during the game three introductions, and and I think you know he understood that. I think we all get it that. You know, he he screwed up. He admitted he screwed up. He he comes back home, and and the fans were hard on him. But if you are honest about the situation, if the fans are realistic about the situation, if not Joe Girardi, like if you're going to fire a guy, it's easy to say, well, we should get rid of him. I don't don't know who the replacement is. No, I know. That's also part of my problem. I'm asking it to, you know, to to the Yankee fans in general. It's a rhetorical question. If not him, then who, right? Right. No, that's that's also part of my concern. It's like, I just, I don't know who that next guy would be, right? Like, I, I don't know who the next manager is. You're seeing a lot of like, oh, go hire Don Manningly. Don Manningly's a very average manager to below average manager. And like, do you really want one of the great players in your franchise who has his number retired to come and manage and be terrible? Like, I don't. You know, and and also, like, I'd rather not go with somebody who's recycled. I'd rather go find somebody who's young and upcoming. And, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, the... The AJ Hinch type down in Houston, who's done a fantastic job with the Astros, or you know Tori Lavello, who did a, did a fantastic job with the Diamondbacks this year, despite them being swept out of the playoffs. They lost ninety plus games last year, and they made the playoffs this year. You know, find that young guy who's never been the manager before, and let them take the seats rather than you know somebody who's recycled and you know has been through the ringer and just isn't that good. You know, 
I don't know who that guy is, though. Like, I, I'm looking at the baseball landscape. I don't know. You know, Joe Girardi is better than your alternatives. To me, for sure. talking to you, it sounds like if there was a better option out there... I mean, if Joe Madden's available, I'm going to get him. You would be you would be interested. You feel like it's time for change. No, not without, necessarily. Without talking about the candidates and no. the options, you feel like it's time not for change. Not necessarily. No, That's the feeling I'm getting talking to you, that it sounds like so. it's a little stale. No? No, I don't think so. I, I don't. Um, I mean, historically, he's done a good job with young players. And right now, the team is really young. I think it's a no-brainer. So they bring I, him back I, if I he bring, wants to come back. I would bring him back if he would want to come back. And, you know, if he doesn't, then you have to go out and find that guy. Find the next guy who could do a good job with your with your young players. I don't know who it is. 315-437-7644. Again, no guest lineup today, so phone lines are open. We want to hear from you on baseball, SU football, week five of the NFL season in the books. We've got to take our first time out. We're back after this on Orange Nation. Live from Armory Square, this is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Stephen Seth back with you on a Tuesday edition of Orange Nation. It's time for our next day delivery brought to you by Hummel's Office Plus with no minimum orders, personalized customer service, and free next day delivery. So we were just talking, Seth, in the last segment about the importance of coaches slash managers. I was a pretty good uh, coach in this town, uh, and he happened to appear on Bridge Street on News Channel 9 uh, yesterday. Jim Beheim making an appearance on the show, and he was asked about his expectations for the upcoming season. It's a rather long response, but uh, here's Coach on what he expects out of the 2017-2018 Orange. My expectations are always high. Uh, <laughs> this year, the fans' expectations are not high because we lost so many players. You know, yeah. We lost our you know, three leading scorers, and uh, we had to bring in a whole new group of guys. So whenever you do that, uh, expectations kind of go down a little bit. Um, ours, our expect, really, expectations stay the same. We want to be a great team. We want to uh, contend for a championship in the league, and it's a tough league, but that's what we want to do. Um, it's not always realistic to do that mm-hmm. with so many young players, but we've got some 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 strengths. I think in our backcourt, for example, uh, much better backcourt than we've had in a while. I think, and I think it's a, a group that can do some special things. And up front, we have a lot of young guys, but they're they're good players. They're mm-hmm. talent. If if you're young, you you need to have talent. And our our guys are talented. So I think it'll be a fun team to watch. Watch them develop. Uh, we have a, a great schedule, very difficult schedule, mm-hmm. but uh, I think it'll be fun for the fans. Uh, yeah. You know, obviously fans just want to win. That's the the bottom line. But I think it'll be a fun team to watch develop and in over time, uh, this team will be fun to watch. Again, that was Jim Beheim yesterday uh, on Bridge Street on News Channel 9. I found it interesting that he, he said this is maybe the best backcourt that they've had uh, in a while. And obviously we know Tyus Battle um, and, and how good he is. You add Geno Thorpe into the mix. You add Frank Howard uh, back for his junior season. And, and to me, that that is an indication that he's pleased with how Frank Howard is, is coming along. Uh, I found that to be the, the interesting part of his statement there, that he's really pleased with the backcourt. Yeah. I, I mean, isn't this what got us in trouble last year? I mean, look, look, coach can say whatever he wants. All the coaches can say whatever they want. Uh, didn't we hear multiple coaches last year say, well, Frank's doing great, and you know, this backcourt looks awesome, and then it So you're didn't. not buying it. 
I'm not saying I'm not buying it. I'm just saying we've seen this song and dance last year, and it wasn't that good. Uh, you know, we, I will say this we've, about we've I, heard. Oh, last year's team is the most talented team I've had in a while. And like, sure, there was some talent on it, but like, it I was, did not I come together. I will say this about Jim Beheim. Uh, he doesn't normally dole out compliments unless he means them. Correct. And you know, while he said this is one of the most talented teams we've had in quite some time, uh, there was talent on the roster. There it was. just did not come together. So. When the the Hall of Famer has been around forty plus years, says I like my backcourt. I tend to think that he likes his sure. backcourt. No, and, and, and if he could. likes the backcourt, then let's see what this backcourt has. Yes. I mean, I'm encouraged by that because he normally yeah. doesn't say things just to say them. He says I them agree. because he feels a certain way. Right? No, he, he typically does, and and so yeah, let's let's see what the backcourt is, but. Uh, I, I'm gonna hold off judgment till I see a couple games uh, this season. Uh, that's look. Uh, he he said it in there. His expectations are always high. Expectations, you know, from outside the program uh, uh, may not be because they lost a lot of guys. I fall into that category, and my expectations aren't high. Not just because they lost a lot of guys. I just don't know any of the people who are replacing them. Right? Like last year, they lost a lot of guys, and I knew that Andrew White was still an 18 point a game scorer, and I knew that Tyler Lydon was still really good, and I knew that John Gillen had put up numbers for three years at the college level. So, like, I, I kind of knew what was going to happen on this team, and, you know, Tyus Battle was the unknown, but you, you kind of felt like you knew a little bit about that team. This year, like, I don't. Like, Tyus Battle's good. I know that. Frank Howard has been mostly down, but up and down throughout his college career. You know, O'Shea Brissett, I know nothing about O'Shea Brissett other than that when I talked to Bayheim's Army guys this summer, they all said, wow, watch out for that guy. You know, like, that's all I know about him. You know, uh, same with Matthew Moyer at this point. Same with, you know, Pascal Chukwu at this point and Barama Sidibe. And, you know, go on down the list of just, I don't know anything about this. I don't think. Right, which is why I've found that encouraging when the coach says I like our backcourt because you're right we know that Tyus Battle is really good and later in the interview uh, coach referenced the fact that he feels like this program is in a good spot you know moving forward now that yes. they you know he didn't say Tyus Battle by name but he said we have one guy who could potentially leave early that would obviously be Tyus Battle and we're going to lose one guy who, who's going to graduate, and that's going to be Geno Thorpe. Yep. And then you are going to have a good, really good nucleus coming back, and you're going Plus to add to that, class. that recruiting class. Plus Elijah Hughes, who's sitting out this right. year after transferring. So, so you're going to have Hughes. Sure. You're going to have you know Jalen Carey, and, and you're going to have Darius Baisley, and, and you're going to have Buddy Bayheim and... and and he, he, again, didn't mention those guys by name, but said, I like where we are right now. And I think, again, if you're an SU fan looking at this as a as 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 two years on face value, I think you would have to agree with that. To Absolute, his point about the oh, expectations are down, yeah. I think it's because there are so many question marks heading into the year. But that's kind of the way college basketball is now. You go around the nation, around the ACC. Yeah, we know certain teams in the ACC are going to be really, really good in top 10 you know, caliber good, but everybody's dealing with question marks. And if you're not dealing with question marks, then you're in the top 20 because you're ahead right. of the game. No, you're right. If you're not dealing with any question marks, you're in the top 10. Uh, you know, if if you're bringing your whole team back, you're in the top 10. Look, that, that's why Villanova was able to win a title, right? Because they brought everybody back and everybody was playing together for a third year in a row. That's why they won. You know, UNC last year, they won because everybody was playing together for a third and fourth year in a row. 
Like, that's what the good teams do. And, yeah, we're in this one-and-done era and Duke and Kentucky and, you know, Arizona and UCLA and whoever else you want to point to is going one-and-done. They've won. There have been two teams that have won titles predominantly built around one-and-done players in the decade that it's been a rule. Two. Everybody else has been a team, right? Uh, Built over four-year team. Uh, I, I just find that number interesting. Uh, you know, when we look at Duke is going to be the number one team in the country this year, and Kentucky's probably going to be a top five team, and you know Arizona's got the hot freshmen, they're going to be a top five team. Like, hasn't worked. Well, there's something to be said. Well, it's uh, worked. It's but worked, it has, but it hasn't. I know what you it mean. Hasn't Ultimately, won. it hasn't worked. Right. And it, I mean, and it's worked in some cases, but there is something to be said for experience. There's something to be said for you know Jay Wright and that Villanova yep. team and how experienced they were across the board. And last year, all those guys coming back for for North Carolina and and them getting the job done after a year before coming up just short. I mean, there is something to be said for experience and learning how to win and learning how to win big games and for young guys that can be difficult because there's not much time to learn before you know you know you're into march and the season's almost over so it doesn't surprise me but i mean it has worked to some degree i mean john calipari you know you ask the kentucky fans has has his style and his theory has it worked there yes it's worked there it has Uh, but to your point it it doesn't work year in and year out every group uh is different i guess that's the point 315-437-7644 uh 44 we got to take another time out here uh we'll wrap up our number one on orange nation right after this